Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. Well, before I get into this text, I know this, there's lots of things in Joel chapter 2 that we quote all the time and talk about. And, but you need to know the gist of the story. If you're like me, raised in church, you've heard this before. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Uh, that dreaming dreams and prophesying and all that. I also, too, in, in, uh, in Joel chapter 2, just growing up, I have a friend back there that I grew up in church with. But we sang these songs in the 80s and 90s. It was like Mario Kart, like ding, 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 ding. John, you remember, don't you? And there's one in uh, uh, at Joel chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm, thy holy mountain. Remember that? Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. And, and it's amazing as I get older and all of these things. I'm so thankful I was raised in the house of God. I'm so thankful that I was raised in the house because I don't even think twice about these things. I, I believe if God said it, he'll do it, and I've seen him do it. Amen? And so, anyways, what you need to know in the book of Joel is this. He, he, uh, his name, I believe, means this. Jehovah is God. And it starts off in, in, in Joel chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord that came to Joel. So we know that this isn't Joel's words, but this is the word of the Lord. And how many of y'all know this is divine inspiration still today as much as it was wrote all those years ago? How many of y'all know this is divine breathe, the word of God, God is? And so if it was the word of the Lord for those people during that time of 830 B.C., I've read this before the 830 B.C., so this is the, the, time, uh, this is the time in history where Elisha is uh, in Israel at that particular time under the ruler of Joash, which was the king of Judah, but also we would know this from history too. This is the days of Jonah as well. And so this is a minor prophet, not that he's minor in, in, in the power that he possessed, but that, that, that's just the way it goes. They had major prophets and minor prophets, and it's not that one did more things than the other one just because their book is just a little bit smaller. How many of y'all know there's anointing on their life? And so anyway... Uh, during this particular time in history, the word of the Lord, what I'm trying to tell you is this, because I see three things inside of this text, and you can go home and read it, it's four chapters, it's super small, but you see this, and what I take from the text is this, is it's practical, it's prophetic, but it's also personal, because there's some practical things inside of this before he gets to, I'm going to give you back everything that the enemy has taken from you. How many of y'all know with every promise, there's a command in front of it? I've seen that all throughout scriptures. We love to say numbers, where in, in numbers where it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. But there was a command in front of that. We like that part. Also, too, in Psalm 1, where it tells us, uh, um, where, um, with long life, he'll satisfy you and show you your salvation. Well, there's always a command in front of that. I'm going to get to a command. What I, I believe, I'm, there may be more inside of this text, but there's a command always before a promise. How many of y'all know, even when, as we parent our kids, there's a promise that we give them if they do this. How many of y'all know one thing, we've been forgiven by the grace of God, and it's not what we've done, but everything Jesus has done for us. But how many of y'all know there is also a principle in the Bible called this, the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow into, if you sow a tomato seed, you will get a tomato plant. 
You won't get a carrot plant. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. The Bible says this. If you want mercy, you have to sow mercy. If you want grace, you need to sow grace. And so going back to this text, so I see some practical things. Number two, I see it prophetically. Because what happens is, is during this time, this is worse than any other time in history. In fact, we see times throughout the Bible where locusts came in. We see it as one of the plagues where Moses went to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. And he said, if you don't let my people go, here's some things that will happen. And the Bible says locusts came and devoured and ate everything up. I think it's in the book of Amos as well. Yeah, it's in the book of Amos. In the book of Amos, he talks about how grasshoppers came onto the land and they devoured up the country. Also, too, I think it's in 1 Kings when, the, when, when they begin to, when, um, I believe it's 1 Kings, but when Solomon builds the temple because David couldn't build the temple for the ark. Remember when David was sitting up on the mountain, he looked out on the temple and looked, thought about all the things that God had done for him. And he said, I want to build a temple. And he said, you've shed innocent blood. He said, well, I'll raise an offering for my son to do it. So his son builds a temple. And when they begin to bless it and pray over that temple and consecrate it to God, one of the things that they pray is this, that when the grasshoppers come, he will rebuke the devourer for their sake. And how many of y'all know the locust doesn't just mean bugs with buggy eyes on top and they jump. But it means so much more, especially in the nation that we're living in today. How many of y'all know there is locusts that is eating up things inside of this country? You might even inside of your family. So, so also, too, I can say this as a church, maybe not AOL, and I'm not saying AOL is perfect, but you look across the globe of churches in America today, they won't have but maybe one scripture if one scripture at all. In fact, I heard, I heard a statistics this week Barna put out. That 2% of churches in America today, now you got to understand, think about all the churches in America. There's 791 in just Amarillo, Texas. No, there's really not, but I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm going to stand over here. She believes everything that I say. Uh, Amen. (laughs) But there's, how many of y'all know there's a church at every corner in Amarillo, Texas? So I want you to think about it across a, 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 the whole United States of America, this is such a sad statistic, only 2% teach the full counsel of God. 2%. 2% will talk about hell. 2% will talk about salvation. The other 98% will give you a message that makes you feel good. How, can I just be honest with you? Ain't nowhere in Scripture it says that the Christian life is easy. That's why it gives us... Text like, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. How many of y'all know it's worth it, though? How many of y'all know it's worth it? I got any parents out there that will testify and say that it's worth it to stand on the principles and teachings of the Word of God? And so, anyways, I, what I see in this particular text right here, just thinking back on Joel chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, I see that it's a prophetic message not only to church, but also to the nation that we're living in. How many of y'all know there is locusts that are coming in? In fact, I'm going to get to this just in a minute. Well, I, I'll wait, but there's a prophetic message. And number two, it's a personal message. There's practical things, there's prophetic things in here, but also this is personal. How many of y'all know locusts can not only come into your business, but locusts can come into your life personally? How many of y'all have ever experienced this before? All right. If you didn't lift your hand, you're a liar. We're gonna t- that's a locust. When you lie, that's a locust in your life that's eating you away. 
Just kidding. All right, I'm joking. All right, y'all settle down. But it's personal. And, and Joel, he begins to explain to the people what they're doing that caused the locusts to come. And he begins to give them a big picture concerning the bugs that are there. How many of y'all have, let me put it this way. How many of y'all have ever had some bugs in your life that's bugging you? All right. Well, that's a locust. All right. And so it's broken down in two parts. And in the very beginning part of this, he's talking about the day of the locust. And he's given an exhortation. He's given a warning. He's given an appeal. But then it ends with the day of the Lord. How many of y'all know he's not, so this is prophetic or personal as there can be locusts in our life, but in even in our lifetime that we're living and breathing, that we can experience a time where the, the enemy has to give back sevenfold, sevenfold what he's taken from us. But also, too, it's a prophetic message as well that what the enemy has taken away from this world, how many of y'all know there's a day and a time where the Lord is coming back soon? And he's talking about the day of the Lord. So I see it both ways. I see it as a personal. I see it practical. I see it very prophetic. So it's the word of the Lord. Let's go to verse 2. It says, hear this, O elders, listen closely, inhabitants of the land. He says, has such a thing, has this occurred in your days or even in the days of your fathers? He's asking the questions, has anything like this ever happened to you before? Isn't this the craziest thing? Can I tell you, as America, nothing like this has ever happened before. I'm going to say that one more time. What's going on, if you watch the news, never in the time of history, ever, there is stuff that's going on in America today that's never happened before. All kind, can I tell you, if you look at France right now, France is done. Stick a fork in France. And you know what, as I begin to think about this, because the Muslims have came in and they've taken over, is what happened. But if you look back on the history of France... Here's just a history lesson. The last 25 years with fashion and all this, what they've done is demasculized men. They've cut their nuts off, seriously. And made them real feminine, limp-wristed, all, all these different things. And you know happen it, what will happen? When you make a man not a man, it's easy for someone like a Muslim to come in and take over their family. I'm telling you, you need to get a hold of that. Inside of your family. Need to be careful of the things that they're watching on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. Because little by little what they're doing is trying to take away from them being men and standing up for what we believe in. And so can I tell you there's things that are happening in the world today. There's things that are happening in our society. There's things that are happening in our school system. Inside of our government. That are happening even inside of our churches today. That he's... He, he, that I can, I can testify to this, has such a thing ever occurred in your days, even in the days of your fathers? But he says this, tell your children about it. This is a word for us today. Here is your assignment. I want you to go home and watch Dominion Camp Meeting. And uh, this year, Rod Parsley has a Dominion Camp Meeting, been having it since 1990, 33 years this year. And watch Revival If. It got all over me. He preached out of 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face and repent of their wicked ways, and I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. In his message, he didn't even get to the last part. He only got to the first sentence. If my people, where are my people and where are my people's children? Oh, it got all over me. What did he say right here? This is a command. How many of y'all know this is a calling on our life to teach the next generation? 
I mean, y'all know this is, a, if you're a grandparent in here, it's the calling on your life to teach them of, of the locusts that in your life that ate you away and, and, and manipulated you. How many of y'all know there's some things that we've gone through so our children shouldn't have to? Are you hearing me this morning? Not only personally, but prophetically as a nation. And so uh, uh, in this particular message, he said, my people, if my, he said, where are my people, where are my children? And I began to think about this. He didn't go this direction, but I did. I got so convicted, so convicted. I'll tell you why. Like, I'll I, I tell you, if Ketch came in here, he's six years old. If he came in here and he saw somebody go out in the power of God, he would be questioning what's going on. Can I tell you, at the age of six, I had seen that multiple times. Can I tell you, I'm thankful that I was raised in a home. We had children's church, and I thank God for children's church, but I, I, the Lord began to convict me. We need to have services where kids are in here sitting under the anointing of great men and women of God. Because can I tell you, I believe there's an anointing in my life because I sat in weeks. In fact, not weeks, but months. Every year in, in Colorado for two weeks, Daddy Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, a man of faith, word of faith. He came for two weeks, morning and night. We didn't have children's church, but in the mornings, I would sit in those services as a little boy. We can't have kids do that today because they have iPads and all those different things. You see how we're demasculizing kids? You see what I'm saying? But I did it. And tell you what, and, and John was in those services as well. Where if you got up to go to the bathroom even during those times, they would whip you all the way there and all the way back. Because we honored the house of God. And can I tell you, it may be a little bit legalistic and crazy and you might think that I'm nuts. But can I tell you, I'm better off because of it. I sat under the teaching of Kenneth Hagin, Keith Moore, Billy Brim, R.W. Shambach. I saw him several times as a little boy. I'm so thankful for those things. Norville Hayes. I took it for granted my whole life. But can I tell you, I've seen things and done things. I've seen the power of God in operation in my life because the anointing that got on me inside of those services. And you know what? We're robbing our children's day. He said, if the, you need not only tell the leadership, but you need to tell the kids. How many of y'all know we need to raise up a generation? We're losing. We're losing. In fact, I'll say at camp meeting this week, I mean, I, if they're small and, you know, like screaming inside uh, the sanctuary. But if you have small kids, I know some kids are going to be at camp this year. But we need to plan it to where when we have meetings like this, that our kids are in here and they experience the, the, the works of God. I've seen blind eyes see. I've seen hands grow out. I don't ever doubt it because I've seen it as a little boy. The power of God in operation. And so he says, he says, tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children the next generation. If we get weaker, the weaker we get, it's going to get weaker down the generation. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm not getting weaker, I'm getting stronger. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to set a precedent for me and my house. We are going to serve the Lord. Are you hearing me this morning? I don't want to be like the culture anymore. I want to be what God's called me to do and go where God's called me to go. He says, what the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. 
Now, if you read this in the old King James, it talks like the paper worm and the <laughs> such and such, the canker worm and all kinds of different. But, but here in the Amplified, the gnawing one, the swarming. Swarming leads to the creeping. Creeping leads to the stripping. How many of y'all have ever had some gnawing locusts in your life? The other night, Brandy was gone, and I was trying to mind my own business and watch the Calgary Rodeo on TV. The bronc riding's the best at Calgary. They got all the best bucking horses. And Chloe had this bone next to me, and I'm telling you, she was enjoying it. Like me and Pastor Robert eating a ribeye. Come on, somebody. I was like, would you go in the other room? Poodles, they look at you like, like they really know what you're saying. She looked at me like. And she went back down making all this different noise. I had to turn the TV up. Can I tell you what she, what she was doing was gnawing on a bone. You know what gnawing is? It's annoying. How many of you have had some annoying locust disease in your life over the last couple of years? It's just been annoying. It's been gnawing. And then here comes the swarmers. We've had enough rain. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So the gnawing ones would come, the annoying ones. But then here comes the swarmers. How many of y'all know those are annoying as well? The swarming locusts. Y'all, I've been shooting in horses in some, uh, here at the barn even. Early in the morning, like at 536, the mosquitoes. I spray horses with piranha fly spray. Then I spray it all over me like I'm putting on cologne. Because it's, it, it's terrible. How many of y'all have ever been there... How many of y'all know that's annoying as well? Maybe you're in a relationship or something's happening inside of your family and it just keeps swarming around you like you can't get away from it. And then from the swarming ones, it comes to the creeping. The ones that come out of nowhere, they just start creeping up on you. And then it talks about the stripping ones. But I believe what he tells us this in Joel 2.25. He said, what the locust is taken from you. I will give you back. But I believe there's a word for us in this particular text this morning because if you read this, with every command, with every promise, first comes a command. If you have your Bibles, Joel chapter 2 and verse 12. And I'm not only speaking this prophetically, but I'm speaking this personally over your life. I'm speaking this over our church because I believe if we begin to do these steps, there may be more steps here, but this is what the Lord showed me. <clears throat> like I, I did, I studied this, but the Lord put this on my heart this morning. The first one is found in in Joel chapter two and verse twelve. He said, "Even now, says the Lord, turn and come to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, until every barrier is removed and broken fellowship is restored. Rip your heart to pieces and not your garments." What he's saying, no, during this time when you would rip the outside of your garment, you would walk around this big rip inside of your garment, meaning this, that you were, uh, um, you, were, you were trying to walk into a level of repentance. You were in a place of mourning. But what he's saying, he says, don't, go, don't just go through the outward motions because that's outward religious. You may lift your hands. You might come in here and, and, and sing. You might read your Bible. You might do those things. But if you're really not active on the inside of you, it don't mean nothing. You might still have all these other things going on. What I need you to do is, and I need you to repent. Write it down, number one. The first thing we need to do as a body, we need to repent. 
The first thing we do is need to do as a family, we need to repent. The first thing that we need to do as a nation is repent. It says, now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, faithful to his covenant with his people, and he relents his sentence of evil when, he, when his people genuinely repent. How many of y'all know what did John the Baptist say? He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. How many of y'all know we, need to, we should want the kingdom of God inside of our families? How many of y'all know we should want the kingdom of God inside of our church? How many of y'all know we should walk and want the kingdom of God inside of this nation today? We should want those things. And what I believe, what he's saying right here, repent is not a one-time thing. It's a pattern we ought to have in our life. What did Jesus say? In, um, uh, take up your cross, follow me. I believe it's found in Luke. Y'all bear with me this morning. Is it Okay. I got me a Bible here. That's why I have one of these and not a phone. Because I know where it is in my Bible. Sometimes. Was right here. Luke 9, 23. If he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. How many of y'all know we ought to live a life of repentance? Daily repentance is not living in constant doubt of God's forgiveness. Forgiveness, it's a constant realization of our tendency to abandon God. What is repentance? It's about face. It's like many of you that have answered this altar call before. What you're doing is an about face move. So you're going this direction, and when you repent, lots of times people think repenting is crying. Repenting is not crying. In fact, can I tell you the ones that have really stuck with it the most, that have really repented in true repentance, they come up here hard as a rock, like, I need to change my life. It's not an emotional thing. It's a posture of the heart where you say, I'm going this direction, and now I want to go this way. And while the reason I say that we need to live a life of repentance, because the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, walk in the Spirit, you know not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How many of y'all know there is a culture out there telling you to live by the things of the flesh? Watch this, say this, do this. Oh, it doesn't matter. God loves you. What he's what what in this, I believe this. You want the you want what God is what 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 the enemy has taken from you from the locust. You want him to give it back to you? This is a sign to us. You need to live a life of repentance. So what you do is, is you do an about-face move. And you start walking this direction. Actually, you start walking up. But then we make decisions because I'll tell you this, it's not, tr- it's not repentance when you say, you know what, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, do this particular thing anymore. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's drinking. Some of y'all, some of y'all right now, y'all are like, there's nothing wrong with drinking. I want you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because just because it's lawful doesn't mean it's beneficial. It's the, law, it's the law of liberty and the law of limitation. And you look through all of that, and one of the things in there is the test of evangelism that we all should take. Because if I am not advancing someone else in the kingdom of God with the choice that I'm making to do or not do this, <clears throat> but I'll get off of that. 
Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's lying, whatever it is. So you've made the decision. You've repented. Now you're advancing. We're going from kingdom to kingdom. We're going from glory to glory. Not to say you won't stump your toe. Can I tell you the biggest time the enemy will come in like a flood is when you get your heart right with God. Are you hearing me? Like I said in the very beginning, no one said that the Christian walk with Christ is easy. But we've got to fight the good fight of faith. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you're more than a conqueror. So I'm giving you a good message this morning. Amen? But to repent means to about face. And so now you're going up, onward and upward, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Not to say you won't step your toe and maybe sidetrack a little bit. But the problem is living a life of repentance when you do those things... Get back on track and repent. Repentance is not, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and look at this pornography and I'm going to repent afterwards. That is not repentance. That's stupidity. Amen? Well, I know I'm not supposed to make the right decision of going to this place, but I'm going to do it anyway and I'm going to repent afterwards. No, 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 no. Living a life of repentance is, hey, I'm going this direction. And if that is going that direction, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And not to say that you won't stump your toe, because all of us, how many of y'all know we all mess up? Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. But if you don't have it under the blood, get it under the blood this morning. Repent of your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I know some of y'all are freaked out right now like, OMG, he's one of those preachers. Yes, I am. I'm one of those preachers because the word of God says it. Are you guys awake this morning? So number one is repent. Everybody say repent. It's 10.05. Praise the Lord. Number two is this. It says uh, in verse 15, blow a trumpet, Zion. Remember, these are steps. These are practical things that we can do for him to compensate for the years that you've lost. Number two. Verse 15, blow a trumpet in Zion, dedicate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. So number one, we repent. Number two is we gather. You know, I, I, I believe number two is there for a reason because when you repent, you need an army of people around you to keep you accountable. I get so sick of people saying this. I wish people wouldn't judge me. Listen, you need someone in your life to judge you, to say you are being an idiot. Right? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 20, and verse 24, it says, Forsake not the assembling of saints together. What did King Solomon say in Ecclesiastes chapter 4? He said, Three, two are better than one, but three cord is not easily broken. Let me get some boys up here. Y'all come up here. Y'all come up here. Pastor Shannon, Cody, come up here. I need some men. Y'all come stand up. Y'all come alongside of me. All right, so first we repent. Men. I'm calling out the men right now. Y'all come on up here. Thomas, Daniel. All right. It's something about, how many of y'all know when you go to a fight? I've never been to one. Neither is Cody. But, uh, (laughs) okay, I've been to one. But how many of y'all know you feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof when you go with an army? And so you repent, you start making the right decisions for God. You need people behind you to keep you accountable. 
And he said, I want you to gather the assembly. One can put a thousand flight, two ten thousand. Two is better than one. Three-quart strand is not easily broken. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to lock arms. Lock arms. See, even when you're like this, it's easy for say, you know what? I'm going to get mad at the church. I'm going to get offended. Listen, you make the reason I say I'm going to is because you make that decision to do that. Right? I'm going to walk away. But still, it's difficult to walk away when I have accountability. You see what I'm saying? So I get my heart right with God, but then I get in even with this. Now lock, lock arms. I tell you, there ain't... No, see, that's why he doesn't want unity in the body of Christ. That's why the enemy wants division. Because there ain't no way in hell he's going to get through this. Are you hearing me this morning? That's why he wants us to fight and bicker over stupid stuff that don't make a hill of beans. I wish it wasn't this color. I wish I had that fabric. Or I wish they wouldn't have those lights. Or I wish they had those lights. Listen, all of that is stupid. But when we lock up arms together, we first repent. Then we have some people around us that say, you know what? I, I tell you what, you're not going down because us brothers are going to pull you in together. And we're going to fight the good fight of faith together. Y'all can sit down. How many of y'all know it's important that we gather? How many of y'all know it's important that we, we set the example to our family, to our children? That we come together. That we come together. That we gather. That we get in the house of God. Your kids might say, well, I didn't want to come to church today. Who pays their bills? I'm like, okay. You will not eat for a week. No, I don't even, I don't negotiate with children. And if you do, stop. We're going to church. Well, I don't want to. Well, I do. So get in the car. Listen, all you're doing, how many of y'all know, even this, let's just be practical about this. How many of y'all know there's days you don't want to go to work? Well, I don't want to go to school. But why would we make them go, how many of y'all know the education they receive in this house is way better than anything at Olson Park or Randall High School. Get in the car. How many of y'all know there's a heavier destiny on you than on that kid? Y'all getting something out of the word this morning? I hope you are. The third one is this. All right, this is, these are the steps before we get to verse 25. I will compensate you for the years of the swarming locusts that have eaten you. Verse 20. So number one is repent. Number two, live a life of repentance. Number two is gather. Number three, rejoice. Verse 21. Let's read 20. But I remove the northern army far away from you. And I will drive it into a parched and desolate land with its forward guard into the eastern sea and with its rear guard into the western 
see, and its stench will arise, and its foul odor of decay will come upon come up. This is the fate of the northern army in the in the final day of the Lord, for he has done great things. He has done. How many of y'all know this is past tense? He has done. You're like, Pastor, he hadn't done nothing for me. Listen, if you're saved, he has done the greatest. How many of y'all know there ain't no grandpappy, pappy's, 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 pappy out there that'll forgive you like Jesus forgave you? There ain't no person in this world that'll forgive you like the Lord's forgiven you. So he said, for he has done great things. Do not fear, O land. Be glad and rejoice. That's a word of faith. How many of y'all know all what rejoicing is? It's faith. Because you're re-doing something again of what he's already done for you. And it builds your faith on the end. He said, rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. Saying this, when you forget about all the things that he's done for you, you need to remember one more time. And rejoice of the great things that he's done for you. See, I'm going to rejoice in this. We may not have the best country, but I can rejoice. Uh, We may not have the best outlook right now, but I'm going to rejoice in that after 50 years of Roe versus Wade, that it got turned around. How many of y'all know we as a church ought to celebrate that? Because we fasted and prayed. Now we need to to go ahead and rejoice now that that states are going to make the right decision and make the right choice on pro-life. Amen? And not on pro-choice. But here's the deal. We're going to rejoice anyway. Not only of what he's done, but what he's going to do. If I see one more picture on Instagram of Jesus fighting the devil, I'm going to throw up. People are like, oh, I love this picture so much. I don't like it. You know why? Because he already defeated the devil. He ain't even playing games with him no more. He's already, come on, he's done. It shows him dressed up like Rocky Balboa, giving the devil the black eye. That was 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary when he went into hell and took back the keys of life for you and me. So if you're liking that picture, stop. If you have that picture in your home, get it down. Because the battle's already won. The race has already been won. We just have to claim the victory, and that's why we rejoice, not of what he's going to do, but what he's already done. And if we get faith inside of our hearts, how many of y'all know we need a miracle inside of our country? How many of y'all know we need a miracle inside of our families? How many of y'all know we need a miracle inside of our families? Uh, or how many of y'all know we need a miracle inside of our school system? All of it. We need a miracle inside of those things. So this is what we're going to do. We as a body of Christ, we not only need to repent personally, but we need to repent as a body of Christ. And we need to gather. And we need to rejoice. And we need to repent. What do we do? We're going to repent. And we're going to gather. And we're going to rejoice. For all the things that God has done, what God's going to do in advance, we're going to rejoice. Listen, if you need healing in your body and he's healed you before, you need to rejoice of the times that he's healed you before. And it will build faith on the inside of you for not only what he did, but what he's going to do. The Bible says the day of the Lord comes after this. And I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will compensate you all the things that the enemy has taken from you. And I will give you back a hundredfold. The locust is taken from you. 
This is a word from you today. There's practical steps that we need to start taking. We need to repent. And number one, we need to tell our children. I repent of not telling mine. We need to tell our grandkids that the day of the Lord is approaching. We need to get them in the house of God. Repent, gather. Repent, gather, rejoice. Repent, gather, rejoice. Come on and stand to your feet this morning. It's 1015. Praise the Lord. Repent, gather, rejoice. I want to just take this time this morning. Let's be practical about that. That there's some things that maybe the Lord, maybe it's getting all over you. Of some things in your life. I, I believe that we can do this together. Somebody come and play right now. Uh, I would sure like it. Praise the Lord. But we need to repent. I want you to just bow your heads with me. It's an about face mood. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm not, I'm not saying there's sin in your life, but maybe there's some things that you just need to confess to the Lord that you need to about face. Maybe it's things that you're watching on TV. Maybe it's things that are coming out of your mouth. Maybe it's things that you're, you're listening to that you've just gone, gone slack in your faith. That you're not being the believer that God's called us to be. That you're not being bold as God's called you to be bold. And so if you're out there this morning and you say, you know what? And, I, and I'm with you in this. I believe this is why the Lord gave me this message with families being here. With, with us having baptisms and, and baby dedications. So I just want you to bow your head. And right there where you are, I just want you to repent of the things in your life. Just ask the Lord to forgive me. Lord, I repent. I repent of not taking opportunities. Lord, I repent of those times where you wanted to to, um, take me from this place to that place. And Lord, I didn't listen. I wasn't obedient. Lord, I repent of the things that have been played inside of my home. I repent of the things that that, that have been heard inside of my home or inside of my truck or inside of my car. Lord, I repent of those things. And Lord, also too, I repent as a nation. As a nation, I repent as the body of Christ of not being bold as you called us to be bold. To go where you've called us to go and do what you've called us to do. Lord, we repent of those things. Lord, we lay at your feet and we say this, God, from this day forward, I'll go where you've called me to go. I'll do what you've called me to do. I'll be who you've called me to be. Lord, I know it'll be uncomfortable at times, but I don't want just an outward uh, expression. Lord, as the text says, I want you to I want to rip my heart, not just my clothes. I don't want to just wear the cross around my neck. I don't want to wear the Christian t-shirt. I don't want to just listen to Caleb and have these skeletons inside of the closet. Lord, no, I want to repent. I repent. I choose to repent, Lord. Go the way of you. Live a life of repentance. Lord, I repent of towing the line. Lord, also too, Lord, I just pray. 
Lord, as we're gathered this morning, that there is power in numbers. There is power in numbers. And Lord, we rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice that you've already done it. The battle is won. And so I prophesy and I declare. I prophesy and I declare. I prophesy and I declare. I speak right now in Jesus' name. What the enemy has stolen will be returned to them. Lord, I speak health into people's bones. Lord, I pray for restoration in in relationships. God, I just pray for uh, um, abundance inside of finances. God, in every area of life where things have been taken back, taken away, Lord, I just pray that we would reap a harvest, Lord, as we do the commandment of the Lord. And Lord, that you will pour out your spirit on all flesh. Pour out your spirit. Lord, reveal yourself to us in Jesus' name. Reveal yourself to us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we blow the trumpet in Zion. We blow the trumpet in Zion. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're in here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. This is my Lord and Savior. I haven't asked him to come live on the inside of me. To be my Lord. I haven't repented of my sins. If you're in this room today and you need to get right with God. Just lift your hand and say, you know what, Pastor, that's me. Just be honest. I don't see any hands. I'm going to leave you with this. Y'all look at me. Let's live a life of repentance. We're God's people. We're God's people. We are God's people. If you got that cross wall and you got scriptures on your wall and you're not living up to the true teaching of the word of God, repent. Repent. Not faithful to the house of God, repent. Gather. It's words for us today. It's words for us today. I know it's hard. But listen, we, we're not getting any better. The choice is yours. Rejoice. Drive down the, the, the road this week. Thank you, Lord. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise. Come on. I mean, y'all know God is good all the time. Pastor Brandy, she gets on to me all the time. Why do you always sing all those old songs? I said, because they don't hit like the new ones. 
should come down into my study and I'll be down there listening to like Ron Cannoli, 1991. <laughs> like 1998 T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm just saying the reason I go back to that, I'm not saying that God's not doing a new thing, but he ain't got new tricks. Amen. I'm telling you, I grew up in a whole different church of what we have today. But can I tell you, we grew up in a powerful church. And how many of y'all know if God's still on the throne, he is still powerful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.